Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome, Throwdown Nation, to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender, and... Got some things I gotta admit. The uh, divisional round matchups have gone along. I I do have to admit, Clayton Kershaw actually showed up to the playoffs for once. I gotta give the man credit. Uh, last night, uh, Kershaw dominated the Braves lineup, albeit the Braves lineup that still has not been able to find their offense in Los Angeles as of yet because they've been blanked out two games in a row. But nonetheless, Clayton Kershaw got the job done. Eight innings pitched, three strikeouts, no runs. I got to give Kershaw credit. You know, I was dogging him the entire time, saying that, you know, the reason why this series against the Braves could get extended and they could possibly lose the series was the fact that everyone was penciling a win in for Kershaw when there was no track record to uh, substantiate it. So, I got to admit where I'm wrong, and I was wrong about Kershaw. Kershaw got the job done. Uh, We're going to see if uh, later tonight if David Price can uh, make a 2-0 for uh, the Red Sox over the Yankees. Uh, The Red Sox uh, uh, held on to win last night, uh, you know, 5-4. The game kind of went down uh, in a way I, you know, I thought was a possibility, although I blame... I blame Jay Happ and uh, the Yankees brass because, you know, as soon as you knew Jay Happ was starting uh, game one, you knew the Red Sox were putting Steve Pierce in that lineup. Now, I cannot for the life of me understand how, when discussing the pitching matchups, wherever Steve Pierce was going to be lined up, that pitching around Steve Pierce could ever, and I mean ever, be discussed as an option when J.D. Martinez is on deck. The potential AL MVP, J.D. Martinez. The AL uh, 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 leader for RBIs. J- I mean, it, it goes on and on. But regardless, there is no scenario where pitching around Steve Pierce to get to J.D. Martinez should ever, and I mean ever be an option 
That was inexcusable. So when you uh, when you uh, put two men on base ahead of J.D. Martinez and you think you can actually pitch to J.D. Martinez, yeah, guess what? That That's a recipe for disaster. And J.D. Martinez, to his credit, made the adjustment on Jay Happ and got to a low fastball inside and just yanked it over the monster. That's what MVP-type players do. That's why the Red Sox... Uh, paid the money for J.D. Martinez. Honestly, there were other teams like the Yankees that could have paid for Martinez. I talked about this when I did my player rankings that J.D. Martinez was a top 10 player uh, in fantasy this year. The only question was if he could stay healthy for a full season. And guess what? This was the year he stayed healthy. Uh, and that's why he's an MVP candidate. But, you know, be that as it may, the Yankees chipped away. Just didn't get enough... Uh, uh, time left. The Yankees left a ton of guys on base. Uh, part of this, I blame on the Yankees style and approach. I mean, they like to swing for bombs. They don't like bunting guys over. They don't do a lot of situational hitting. I mean, they left a ton of runners on base. Uh, I believe the number was one for seven with runners in scoring position last night. Uh, but, uh, you know, you had a big strikeouts of Gleyber Torres and Stanton I mean, you name it, like, there there were guys in that Yankees lineup that left guys on base. Uh, But, you know, again, nothing surprising that happened last night uh, with that game. Uh, You know, it it is what it is uh, in terms of the Yankees. What I said was potentially going to be a costly factor came up and reared its ugly head was a bunt laid down by Andrew Benatendi. Uh, You know, you got Chad Green giving up on it. You got Luke Voigt giving up on it. And meanwhile, Gleyber Torres is sprinting first base. Technically, they could have gotten uh, Benatendi uh, at first base. Uh, no one covers, uh, uh, no, no one throws the ball to Torres. Uh, Benatendi uh, gets the first and ends up scoring on the play, and that ends up being the game-winning uh, run. Uh, but, you know, it, like I said, it is what it is. It, you know, this Yankees team will never be known for its defense. This team's got to be able to slug its way out of trouble. So, uh, last night they couldn't do it. We'll see if they can get it done tonight. Uh, in terms of uh, the actual game itself, uh, the line actually has New York favored, uh, even though they're on the road. They're minus one twenty-five favored. Uh, Boston's even money. Uh, Over/under is nine runs. Again, this is because no one believes in David Price pitching. Uh, you know, I, I think that over/under number can easily be met. I don't agree with necessarily uh, Boston being an underdog here at home. Uh, so, to me, this is kind of a walkaway line where, you know, I don't like giving money on a home team. And, you know, again, the Yankees are on the road. They, 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 even though Boston used up quite a bit of their bullpen last night, I'm not necessarily uh, betting the Yankees as a favorite uh, when they're on the road. That, that's just not uh, just not the smartest move you can make. Also on tap, uh, you got uh, Cleveland and Houston with Game 2. In terms of uh, this matchup, you know, I I thought just like the uh, Red Sox-Yankee series, it'd be tied up 1-1 going into Game 3. Game 2 tonight, we got Carlos Carrasco and Garrett Cole. Uh, Very even pitching matchup. You know, Houston's a, a, a minus-135 favorite over Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's plus-115. 
over under seven and a half. I I'm shocked that the over under is that high. I'll be honest. I I really think this game's going to be a nail biter where it's maybe like a three to two victory or maybe four three. But I I can't see this game having uh, eight runs being scored. I, I think that not line is way too high. Uh, so I, I would my bet would be to take the under and I and I like I said I I had Cleveland uh, splitting the series here and take and taking it back to Cleveland tied one one so uh, I'm gonna stick with Cleveland that's the bet here uh, Carrasco's good enough to uh, make this an interesting contest here so uh, I'm gonna go with Cleveland uh, whereas you got Tanaka against David Price I don't think either pitcher makes it through the fifth inning. Uh, but uh, you know that over is the attractive play here if we're uh, we're going to bet on the game. Meanwhile, you got a couple other games coming up tomorrow between uh, the Brewers and Rockies. Colorado's down 0-2 uh, in Coors Field. They just have not been able to produce any offense whatsoever in uh, Milwaukee. So they're down 0-2. Uh, they're turning to Marquez or German Marquez. Uh, who was essentially the ace of the staff in the second half of the season. Uh, Milwaukee's just basically giving up this game. They're throwing out Wade Miley out there. Uh, so Colorado's a minus 150 favorite. Uh, to be honest, that line needs to be a lot higher. Uh, there's no way I'm ever betting money on Wade Miley. I would. I, I don't see this game ending on a, a series ending on a sweep from Wade Miley. So I'm taking the Rockies minus 150. Uh, I don't know... Uh, the over-unders at nine and a half. Uh, I'd have to look at the numbers a little bit further before I, I make a, a decision there. But I, I, I'd like to think that the over-under uh, may be a little bit too high because of Marquez's uh, second half where he really was uh, under un, uh, under a three ERA pitcher. So uh, that over-under may be a bit too high for my blood given how well Marquez has pitched. Uh, and in the nightcap Sunday night, you've got the Dodgers... Uh, going to Atlanta, you know, the Dodgers just been rolling. Uh, they're heavy favorites against Atlanta. I got to think Atlanta rebounds here. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, Atlanta has to be able to score some offense. Uh, the fact that they haven't been able to score is the most troubling part of the that game. So uh, Atlanta's going to be going to uh, Sean Newcomb as a starter. The Dodgers going to roll out Walker Bueller. You know, again, Folks are looking at this and saying that, uh, you know, the Braves are one of the weakest teams in the playoffs. So I get why the, the money's on the Dodgers, but I, I, I have to at least say Atlanta stays off elimination here uh, at home. Uh, you know, take the underdog at plus 155, uh, and we'll, we'll see how it goes there. So uh, that's what I've got for uh, the baseball analysis. Uh, in Premier League action today, uh, we got Manchester United coming up. And although there were early action going on, the story that is dominating the headlines in the Premier League is Jose Mourinho looks to be on his way out of Manchester United. He had a terrible-sounding press conference the other day where he couldn't even be bothered to answer most of the questions uh, being asked of him by the media. You know, I, I look at this as a case where uh, the three-year curse with Mourinho is rearing its ugly head again. Because if you look back on Mourinho's track record, it go it comes in spades. In that third year, uh, his attitude is what rubs so many people the wrong way. 
that eventually he ends up having to leave the club altogether unless he gets fired directly. If you go back to his first run at Chelsea, uh, um, uh, this is like 12 years ago, but like the first run at Chelsea, uh, you had Jose in year three after dominating uh, everything, winning the Premier League for the second time and the League Cup. You know, you know, the Chelsea should have been on its way to uh, destroying everyone in Champions League. And what happened in the third year, basically. Mourinho butted heads with uh, the owner of Chelsea, Roman Abramovich. And for those of you who watch Billions, uh, the John Malkovich character is very much based on Roman Abramovich. But that's another story entirely. But um, in terms of uh, Chelsea, uh, you know, Mourinho left the first go-around because he didn't like the fact that he was being forced to sign uh, players such as uh, Andrei Shevchenko. And, you know, after uh, they failed to win the Premier League title and Champions League, you know, Mourinho and Abramovich, that relationship deteriorated to the point where he just bolted, uh, uh, you know, right after the start of the season the following year. So, yes, he made it to year four, but he was out the door, basically. Uh, You know, you fast forward a couple of years to Real Madrid, I mean, the, the dark period... I mean, people say it was successful, uh, uh, Mourinho at Inter Milan, but, like, my issue with Inter is, you know, what we now know is that the entire Italian league was corrupt. So, I can't really take the Inter years uh, at face value anymore. It, it's To me, it, it's one of those where, you know, I kind of have to throw those out the window. So, you, go, you fast forward to 2012 when he joins... Uh, uh, when he joins Real Madrid, he, I mean, 2011, he wins La Liga, uh, 2012, uh, you know, he, uh, he dominates, uh, he, realistically, he's dominating Barcelona. Barca, uh, had never, and I mean, just like, they have walloped, uh, because, uh, Real Madrid, uh, like, had over 100 points, uh, in his second year. And, you know, they won the Copa del Rey. I, realistically, uh, Mourinho was at the top of the world in La Liga in what many people consider to be the best league in the world. I, I know there, there are folks who uh, yell about the Premier League, and I'm not going to have that debate uh, uh, today. You know, folks can yell about that another time. But, you know, La Liga, Premier League, the fact of the matter is Mourinho has done it at both places. The problem is, is that because of Mourinho's prickish personality, he rubs people the wrong way constantly, constantly headbutts with other guys. So here, the issue at uh, Real Madrid was uh, they didn't like how he treated. Uh, they didn't like how they tra- he treated uh, Iker Casillas, and Sergio Ramos didn't get along with him. And then guess what? He didn't get along with uh, the Spanish media. And so, you know, what it set it up was, like, uh, issues where if uh, he had injuries, like, so the the famous line was uh, when Gonzalo Higuain got injured and he had to play uh, Kareem Benzema, he hated Benzema, and, like, the line he used, which was classic Mourinho, uh, the line was, if I can't hunt with a dog, I will hunt with a cat. And, you know... 
it's just it's just the way Mourinho is. Like if he doesn't like you, he will throw you under the bus so fast you, your head will spin. So you know, at the end of the day, what happened in the year three with uh, Real Madrid, he ends up like running afoul of Cristiano Ronaldo. He loses uh, La Liga to uh, Barcelona. Barcelona wins the league by 15 points. He doesn't win any cup titles. He he, uh, he basically describes uh, the year as his worst, uh, as the worst of his career, and leaves the club. Which, again, is not the worst season of his career. That would come later on. Cue the return to Chelsea. So, he returns to Chelsea. 2014 wins uh, the Premier League. Uh, 2015 was uh, essentially a case where, you know, this is the most ridiculous Premier League story ever because he essentially, uh, what happened in year three of the Premier League, he essentially blamed the injury on Eden Hazard on the team doctor, uh, uh, Eva Car- uh, Carnero, uh, for, uh, because, uh, he, uh, he, uh, he, uh, she, he alleged that she mistreated both, uh, Hazard, uh, and among other players, uh, uh, he was uh, also uh, criticizing her treatment of Czech uh, Fabregas and also alluded to the fact that there was a rumor that she was having an affair with Fabregas. Like, literally, there was, if this was like the Me Too generation, like, back, like, even though it was a couple of years ago, he probably would have been booted out of the Premier League outright from there on. But, you know, he, uh, he got away with making those comments. But at that point, he literally was fired from Chelsea. And I, I mean, it, it was incomprehensible that he could have been fired uh, in year three after being the defending champion. Uh, uh, Chelsea was in 16th place in the Premier League when he was fired. They were eliminated in the last 16 of Champions League. They were eliminated in the FA Cup. They were eliminated in the League Cup well before you got to the semifinal stage. It was such a debacle that last year with Chelsea that there were so many stories coming out of him ranting and raving on the training pitch that it almost seemed as if he was screaming at the clouds just to get himself fired. Uh, but again, this was coming right down to the fact that, you know, again, Mourinho, year three, everyone was curious to see how this Manchester United team would respond. And thus far, Manchester United coming into this game today against Newcastle sits 11th in the Premier League table. They have been bounced from the League Cup. By Derby County. The game I was talking about last week that was supposed to be the rebound game against West Ham. They managed to lose that game to a West Ham squad that will be bottom end of the table and fighting 
fighting to get out of the relegation battle by February. If they don't escape the relegation table completely, West Ham should, but it may still be a battle come February. So, you've got this contrast where, again, he's not getting along with Paul Pugba. He's not getting along with the board. He's criticized Ed Woodward uh, six ways to Sunday uh, about how he doesn't get the funds that other teams get. When, in fact, Manchester United has spent roughly $500 million on players in the last three years alone, uh, you know, with Mourinho. You know, he's funded multiple teams in the Premier League and in other leagues. So, again, it's comical that he's saying that he doesn't have the funds to actually rebuild the club. He's used funds. He's used them poorly. But Ed Woodward is also part of the problem. So much so that there is talk of Mourinho being sacked regardless of the result of this Newcastle game that's coming up in a few minutes, regardless if he wins or not. But there's no replacement in mind. You know, it's incomprehensible that a Premier League club as big as Manchester United can go down this path without actually having a succession plan in place. It, it, it is completely, completely out of line, and it's irresponsible. So if you're a Manchester United fan, there's no way you can be happy regardless of what the result is today because you basically inherited a circus because that is what Jose Mourinho is. He is a rock star who has such poor people skills that he invites storm clouds around him so that when the the storm when the major 500 year storm comes and it happens every 3 years everyone's waiting to see the calamity that's going to ensue. This is the problem with hiring someone like Jose Mourinho because he plays to the media and the media can't wait to see him fail. There are so many folks who are supporters of other clubs that can't wait to see him fail because of how poorly he treats other people. You know, if you're a Manchester United fan, you are in the middle of a a circus. You're not going to be competing for titles this year. You're not going to be competing for titles in a while because you're going to be going through yet another manager in less than 10 years since Alex Ferguson has retired. Uh, You know... It's just not, well, actually, I'm saying 10 years. Realistically, Sir Alex has only been gone five years, but it feels like 10 given the amount of change that's going on with Manchester United. But at the end of the day, United has to figure out an exit strategy from Jose Mourinho. There's no getting around it at this point. It's going to end in a messy divorce. The only question is, can Manchester United get out ahead of this before it's too late? So that's all I've got uh, regarding the Premier League. I'm going to get into uh, some of the college football matchups uh, that are on the slate today because uh, the Red River rivalry between uh, Oklahoma and Texas uh, is just underway. You know, in this matchup, Texas uh, is the underdog here at seven and a half point underdog. Tom Herman usually plays well, uh, I mean, uh, coaches well in these matchups where he's the steep underdog. I mean, he did it at Houston. He uh, He's done it at other stops. Texas has a good chance here 
you know, even if they don't beat Oklahoma, uh, you know, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Riley, you know, as impressive as he's been in his uh, head coaching career, th- there there are still spots where Oklahoma's vulnerable. I think this is the match uh, where Oklahoma can get tripped up, actually, because, you know, people are already pen- penciling in uh, Oklahoma and quarterback Kyler Murray for uh, the uh, college football playoff. I think Oklahoma's vulnerable here. I think they'll still win the matchup. I'm not entirely so- sold on them covering. So I think Texas is the play here at plus 7.5. Uh, although I think as an outright winner, I think uh, Oklahoma squeaks by with a field goal victory. But I, I definitely think this is going to be a close matchup. And, you know, Sam Ellinger, uh, this is going to be a, a big uh, prove-it matchup for him. Uh, you know, he's got an opportunity here to make his stamp on a national stage. And Texas fans, as rocky as the season started, if they beat Oklahoma today, oh, they're going to be beating the drums that uh, they should be the ones that uh, have the inside track to the college football playoff because they lost early and before they were fully ready to get engaged in the season. I think that's a load of BS, but, you know, it, it is what it is. So, you have that rivalry matchup. You also have uh, Miami going up against a lousy Florida State team. You know, Miami hasn't beat Florida State two times in a row since 2004. This is their best chance to do it. Florida State is not good. Miami's 12.5 point favorites. I don't like taking the full uh, 12.5 point uh, just because Miami's quarterback situation is still... Very murky to me. I, I don't trust either quarterback uh, between Rozier and uh, or uh, Perry. Uh, like neither one of these quarterbacks are even replacement level QBs in my opinion. The other issue is though that uh, DeAndre Francois has also proven to be a barely. I, I, I wouldn't even say average QB. I think he, Francois is also below average. Uh, so you got two la- uh, two teams with lousy quarterbacks. Uh, Miami's got a better defense, uh, better run game. I have to uh, say that uh, Miami should win this game. Uh, I'm just not sold that it's going to be the blowout everyone thinks it's going to be. Uh, that's uh, that's my fear for uh, this Hurricanes team. I- I'm not entirely sold on them being able to get the job done. Uh, by blowing out Florida State. I, I think uh, they win it, but I, I think it ends up being closer than people would probably care to admit. So uh, that's the way I look at it. Uh, you got Clemson. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is back on the center. I really thought that Kelly Bryant would have been convinced to come back to the team, uh, you know, after the injury scare to Lawrence. But, you know, it is what it is. So they're moving on without Kelly Bryant. Uh, they, they're going up against a uh, Wake Forest team that should have a chance because if Lawrence is shaky in any way, uh, Clemson uh, should be in trouble. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I look at Clemson, uh, if they can just get a semblance of a passing game going, they're they're right there with Alabama as the number two team in the country, in my opinion. It's just a matter of uh, uh, what they can actually leverage uh, in the passing game. Then uh, the uh, other big matchup today would be uh, Florida hosting LSU. So LSU is coming to the Swamp. They're a top five team. 
I have my reservations about this one because I've been I've been I've been dogging LSU the entire year and Cocho has proven me wrong the entire time. You know, I feel as though if I pick LSU today, I'm gonna get burned and Florida's gonna win the game. The problem with Florida is that even though they're a two and a half point underdog, they have no offense, so I I, I legitimately do not trust Florida at all. So I'm still going to take Florida because I'm going to be consistent and I've been picking against LSU and they've been burning me the entire year. I'm picking Florida uh, Florida to win just uh, just because. It, it, it's just one of those things. It's like Florida's got the defense to do it. I don't, this is going to be an ugly game. I, I don't expect anyone to score, uh, you know, I, I think a reasonable score in this game is 24-21. Uh, we'll we'll see how it uh, it ends up, but uh, you know I wouldn't expect a whole lot of offense in this game. I'll, I'll I'll put it to you that way. So outside of that, you know the only other game that you could uh, you might uh, be interested in watching late night would be Notre Dame against Virginia Tech. Uh, Notre Dame five and zero, Virginia Tech three and one. Uh, this is the last real obstacle for Notre Dame, in my opinion, to get to the college football playoff. Yeah, they got Michigan, but this Virginia Tech team is better than Michigan. Uh, so I look at that as, like, if Notre Dame could get this win, uh, they're going to the college football playoff, uh, barring an upset. Uh, because, again, uh, this Virginia Tech team is, is probably the best team left that's remaining on their schedule. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Strau have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. So moving on from college football, we're going to get into uh, UFC 229 and the return of the notorious Conor McGregor. Uh, you know, this is a very interesting matchup here. Connor is fighting Khabib Nurmagomedov. This is interesting uh, for the dichotomy of casual fans versus uh, MM, uh, true MMA fans because the casual fans are obviously siding with McGregor here. You know, McGregor, ever the showman, you know, just sells fights by himself. The man is a one man promotion machine. Uh, I'll give him that. And then the hardcore f- uh, MMA fans are. Kind of hoping that McGregor gets his ass kicked. But I, I will say this. Because I honestly believe that if these two guys fall 10 times out of 10, I only think Khabib wins this fight 6 out of 10. I don't think it's as nearly nearly as slanted as MMA experts uh, expect it to be. You know, uh, folks are uh, picking this as if uh, Khabib can only lose this on a fluke shot by Connor. And I think people disrespect Connor's chin. I, I really do. Uh, because uh, at the end of the day, 
Connor is able, even though his gas tank is not nearly what you would want it to be, Connor has ways of sticking in fights that you wouldn't necessarily expect it to be in. You know, uh, it, it is a case where Connor makes fights interesting. He makes guys get out of their element, and he makes it a, a street fight, essentially. You know, Khabib could easily win this fight t- taking down McGregor. But I will say this. I'd be shocked if McGregor uh, was not on top of his game making sure that he makes this as uncomfortable for Khabib as possible by changing angles and using his distance. Because one of the awkward things about Connor is his fighting stances. It's a, it's not the easiest thing to pick up to figure out when you're going to take him down. Uh, so usually it ends up being a case where uh, you have he uh, you have to kind of time it correctly, and you know there's not a it's not an easy uh, opponent to uh, practice uh, for. So uh, Khabib, I think it's going to take a little while for him to get comfortable in, in lining up where he's going to take down Connor. I don't think he'll be able to take Connor down off the jump. And the issue is is that uh, you know while Khabib usually. Uh, ends up with around five takedowns in a 15-minute fight, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think Khabib is going to be able to get his hands on uh, Connor immediately off the jump. And I think Connor is going to be able to tee off on Khabib standing up. I don't think Khabib's stand-up game is nearly good enough to avoid getting popped a couple of times by Connor. And Connor has punching power, as we've seen with Jose Aldo, to put you to sleep immediately so again this is why i look at it as a fight where if connor wins i wouldn't be shocked that connor smokes him uh in under three minutes and he catches him with a big shot and of course the connor fans will say see connor uh, you know even though he was off two years khabib was nothing to connor i don't believe that i think khabib is the biggest threat to connor i just look at connor's fighting style as a case where his fighting style is a very big threat to Khabib as well. I think it's a mutual experience. So I think Khabib can win if this fight goes beyond uh, uh, two and a half rounds. I think this fight ends... Uh, I don't think this fight even comes close to a decision. I think this fight ends by the fourth round, either by Khabib grinding Connor to a bloody pulp and then finishing him, or Connor uh, uh, gets an opportunity to put Khabib to sleep in the first three rounds. I just don't see this going to a decision. So uh, the odds on this fight are Khabib at minus 160, McGregor's at plus 150. Odds this finishes inside the distance is minus 325. So you know where the Vegas money is going to. Uh, you know, uh, the public's going to be betting on Connor. Uh, the Sharps are going to be betting on Nurmagomedov. They're also going to be betting on uh, the fight finishing inside of, uh, inside of the distance. Uh, even though that's not the best way of making money at like minus 325, but you know, you kind of know what you're getting. So, uh, it, it, I, I, like I said, I, I think that, uh, you know, Khabib should win this fight. I just don't think it's the landslide everyone's predicting it to be. So, uh, you know, the public's going to throw their money on Connor. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, Khabib, uh, I think it's the better play here uh, to uh, uh, to bet money on. 
I just wouldn't expect this to go to the judges. If it goes to the judges, this could actually get very interesting because I could easily see Connor swaying judges that don't necessarily score uh, fights technically it kind of go off of the emotional toil of the fight. Uh, it, it could it could make things interesting, but I, I'd be very surprised if uh, this even gets that close. I think this finishes inside of four rounds here. Moving on to the other co-main event at lightweight, you got Tony Ferguson uh, fighting Anthony Showtime Pettis. Ferguson is coming off of uh, complete knee uh, surgery. Uh, so, uh, uh, El Kukui's got a completely reconstructed knee and, you know, that knee injury is what screwed this whole situation up because, uh, Ferguson was supposed to fight Khabib and the winner of that fight presumably was going to fight Connor down the road. Now, uh, uh, Ferguson is coming off this knee surgery, has a lot of ring rust on him, uh, because he hasn't fought in the past year. Because uh, he literally last fought in October. Uh, but, uh, you know, a year off and he's fighting Showtime Pettis, who, you know, not for nothing, has had a bit of a career resurgence because of uh, his victory over Michael Chiesa. Now, Showtime has been on a losing streak uh, before that uh, victory. And his record in the last eight fights is 3-5. and five. You know, unless Tony Ferguson is completely off his game and looking real rusty, I got to take the Ferguson at minus 360. You know, even if the odds don't make a whole lot of sense, I, I have to take Ferguson here over Pettis at plus 300. Pettis is way too inconsistent to actually uh, be uh, worthy of consideration as an underdog here. I got to take Ferguson. Uh, DraftKings points wise at 9300, I would take Ferguson as well. Uh, I forgot to mention that for Khabib uh, at 8400 and Connor at 7800, those are two definite locks if you're playing DraftKings uh, tonight. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would uh, I would be playing both Khabib and Connor. And then for Ferguson, yeah, you can play Ferguson at 9300. You're gonna have to go cheaper on some of the other uh, picks though because. Uh, he's going to smash Pettis unless he's so rusty that Pettis uh, gets off a couple of leg kicks and can slow down Tony and get him in, into some trouble. But I, I, I just don't think that uh, Anthony Pettis has enough to actually beat Ferguson, even if Ferguson's not on his A game tonight. Other matchup at light heavyweight tonight. You got the... Up-and-coming prospect Dominic Reyes at 9-0 versus Ovin St. Preux. And, you know, you know, it, it, this is a, a case where Ovin St. Preux, uh, he's, he's, got, he's, got, uh, he's got the fluky von fluke joke. Uh, but uh, outside of that, OSP is so inconsistent. I don't know what to make of his career, to be perfectly honest. Uh, St. Peru comes in as an underdog at plus 185. Reyes is a minus 225 favorite. Uh, technically, this is a step up in competition for Reyes because uh, he's fighting a top five guy. Uh, OSP has constantly been this gatekeeper. He can never put it together. And at age 35, you know, it's hard, it's hard to actually imagine a scenario where uh, St. Peru will ever be a UFC champion. Uh, 
Reyes, you know, he's the up and cover. He's got a bunch of early stoppage victories. Uh, I would look at Reyes as a potential play on DK at 8,900 just because St. Prue is vulnerable uh, to strikes. But, you know, it, it's a case where I can play both guys because St. Prue's at 7,300. Uh, uh, St. Prue's a plus 185 underdog. Uh, I think that would be the play if I'm just betting this fight and, and I just throw a punt on St. Prue. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that St. Uh, Peru is the favorite, uh, is going to win this fight. I think Reyes, uh, should probably win this one, but, uh, you know, again, you, you really haven't seen, uh, you haven't seen, uh, a case where, uh, Reyes, uh, has, uh, been able to uh, fight a guy of this caliber yet. So there's always a chance that, you know, he gets the jitters or, he gets caught with something like the Von Flew choke that St. Peru is very good at using. Uh, but uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic here. Moving on, we got Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, versus Alexander Volkov. Uh, Lewis, 7,500 on DraftKings. Volkov, 8,700. Lewis is a 155 underdog. Volkov is minus 175. You know... Lewis is a one-trick pony, uh, brawler, no cardio, lousy back, uh, but he is 8-1 in his last nine fights. You know, the back injury has led to some really awful, awful-looking fights. I mean, the Francis Ngannou fight in July was the most boring fight I have ever seen in the UFC in over 20 years of watching UFC fights. Actually, no. I've been watching UFC fights since the beginning. So technically, crap. Uh, 25 years. Wow. I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. In terms of fights, it was one of the worst fights I have ever seen. So for me, personally, I cannot recommend Derek Lewis in any way, shape, or form. If Derek Lewis has that bad of a back, you cannot rely on him as any type of gambling bet. I would take Volkov here at minus 175, but uh, the odds of this finishing inside the distance is minus 130. Uh, there's a chance Volkov uh, just does enough to win the fight without trying to finish Lewis because he doesn't want to engage in a reckless brawl, so... There's a chance that this goes to the distance. Uh, you know, I would say that Volkov should be able to win this fight uh, as a former Bellator champion. He he has the capabilities of making a title run. Uh, I don't think he's actually good enough to beat Daniel Cormier. I think Cormier would finish Volkov quite easily. But uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a case where. Uh, you know, Volkov can, uh, can at least make a case for himself going forward. So I would take Volkov, although I'm not betting any money on this fight. At women's strawweight, we've got Michelle Waterson versus Felice Herring. Yes, we're talking women's fighting here, folks. I don't care. There's money to be made here. Uh, Waterson is 7,900 on DraftKings. Herring's 8,300. Waterson's a plus 110 underdog. Herring is... Minus 130. 
Watterson is really undersized for women's strawweight. Uh, you know, basically, uh, with the strawweight size, uh, you know, Watterson's about 10 pounds undersized for the division. She should be fighting at 105. Uh, she's fighting well above her weight class. To me, this is an easy bet on Herrick to win. Uh, I look at Herrick to grind away to a victory, just take top position. She doesn't even have to finish Waterson because I don't think Waterson's powerful enough to get Herrick off of her if this goes to the ground. So to me, this is one of the uh, fights you could make some decent money on. Uh, if you want to take a punt on uh, Conor McGregor, I would say you bet the money on uh, uh, Herrick uh, uh, earlier on in, the, in, in uh, uh, 229. And, you know, you pocket your cash that way, and then you can bet on Connor later if you want to do it that way. But, uh, yeah, one of the easiest bets of the night, in my opinion, is taking Herring over Watterson. I, I think that's a slam dunk right there. So, uh, you know, not much else to say other than you got a size mismatch overall, uh, and uh, definitely take advantage of it. So, moving on, we're going to flyweight with Sergio Pettis. Versus UCR Formiga. Uh, Pettis, uh, the younger brother of uh, Anthony Pettis, uh, is 8,600. And uh, Formiga is 7,600. Pettis is a minus 160 favorite. Formiga, plus 140. Uh, you know, the flyweight division is wide open after the sham of uh, Henry Cejudo uh, beating. And, and by beating, I literally have the air quotations up. Because he did not beat Demetrius uh, Johnson. The UFC just needed to get the belt off of Mighty Mouse just to actually make it uh, uh, make it uh, an interesting uh, division again. Mighty Mouse did not lose that fight. But, uh, you know, again, the UFC has their gatekeepers to uh, answer to. So Mighty Mouse had to go. That's my opinion. But, you know, it's, it's a straight-up... Uh, it's a straight-up uh, uh, situation there. But anyway, getting back to this fight. Sergio Pettis, uh, you know, this is a very even fight. Uh, uh, Formiga has far more experience. He's got, uh, you know, he's got a, a, tw- a 26 fight experience, 20 for Pettis. Pettis is 5-1 in his last six fights. Uh uh, and the only loss was actually to Cejudo. But, you know, the issue with Sergio Pettis, much like his brother, is a lot of flash with the striking, not so much technical ability. And uh, Sergio has even less finishing power than his brother. So I look at Formiga as someone who can actually take, uh, take Pettis down and be able to grind away uh, on the ground. Uh, either getting a submission or uh, just keeping Pettis in place and scoring a lot of points with the judges. I, I, l- I look at Formiga to take the upset here, so I would uh, throw a couple bucks on Formiga. Uh, it, it looks uh, to be uh, a, a good fight for him to win. So uh, in terms of, uh, again, the bets that I would be looking to, uh, look, uh, to do money on, uh, again, I told you, the public's going to be on uh, Connor, but realistically, the bet should be on Khabib. I don't think it's nearly as uh, uh, lopsided as the experts do, 
But I do agree with the experts that uh, Khabib is the play here to bet against Cotter. Uh, Cotter can always come off with a spectacular finish. But if you want to protect yourself against Cotter, you can always bet for this fight to end a well before the distance, uh, which I fully expect to. I, I, I don't think Khabib wants this to go to the judges. And also, if he's going to win this fight, he's going to finish Cotter inside the distance. And if Cotter is going to win... Uh, realistically, he's going to have to finish Khabib because I think uh, eventually Khabib's going to put him on his back and he's going to have a 10-8 round to fight up an uphill battle against. So I think Connor's going to have to finish inside the distance as well. So uh, that, that to me is another play you can do on the fight itself. So uh, I'll get into the NFL tomorrow with my DFS picks as well as my picks against the spread. So have a great day, everyone. Enjoy the games. Should be an entertaining day of uh, action throughout with multiple sports, as well as uh, the UFC Yankees Red Sox tonight for the nightcap. It really is a packed uh, edition of uh, sports. So I wish I could cover everything uh, in greater detail because this really is one of the best times of the year to enjoy sports, in my opinion. But alas, there's only so much time in the day. But enjoy everything that you come across. Enjoy the weekend. I'll be around uh, tomorrow again. So uh, have a good one. And uh, NFL action coming up on Sunday. So enjoy. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought-after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll (laughs) I'll take Giselle, okay? Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.